Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. He is risen. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, amen. The story of a young, young uh, lady and her grandpa were in church one day, and they're looking at a church much like this, and they're looking up at the stained glass windows and admiring them. And they were in this particular church, they had uh, pictures of the saints. We have a, some of them here, I suppose, you know, and I think there was Peter and Paul and the disciples, and uh, they were just enjoying it, but they noticed that... Uh, the church was getting older. The stained glass windows actually had some cracks in them, some breaks in them, and uh, the light was just shining through those cracks. And um, the little girl said, you know, what's wrong with those, uh, those windows? You know, there's like lots of light coming through, and the, the grandpa, you know, kind of bemoaned the fact that uh, it was in disrepair and the, the windows were breaking. Um, but the little girl said she loved those windows and those breaks because the sun came through those cracks especially. She especially enjoyed, enjoyed those windows, those broken saints that shine bright. That's our theme for today, Grateful Living, Broken Saints Shine Brighter. Speaking of broken saints, we talked about two of them today that uh, our awesome students read about Saul, Paul, and uh, I read about Peter. Think about Paul. Just imagine, I don't think we appreciate uh, who this guy is. Talk about a broken saint. Talk about a person who's cracked, right? Who seems like uh, in disrepair is Paul. I mean, Paul, uh, in chapter 9, we hear this great story, right? He's on his way to Damascus to do what? Persecute the church. I don't know if we're really appreciating what that means. In chapter 8... Luke, who wrote Acts, says that, uh, that Saul was there. Paul was there giving approval of Stephen's death. So he was not. He actually approved of the killing of Stephen because he was a Christian. And later on, uh, Luke says, On that day, great persecution bro- broke out against the church. Saul, I'm, I keep on saying that. Saul, it's the same word. There's, it's not a, uh, it's the same name. Paul and Saul, the same thing. But Paul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. This is Gestapo tactics. This is Nazi Germany. Going from house to house and grabbing people, separating moms and dads from their kids because they were Christian. That is Paul. Talk about having a crack. In his righteousness, being a broken person. 
What does Jesus do with broken people, messed up people? What does Jesus do to his enemies? How does he respond to his enemies? He loves them harder. (laughs) He loves them more. Think about this. How does Jesus respond? Now, he, he, he tells us to turn the other cheek. He tells us to pray for your enemies. He does it. So he takes this Paul, this chief leader of persecution and murder. And he's on his way to Damascus to do more. And instead of wiping him off the face of the earth or teaching him a lesson or passing legislation so it's not possible to persecute Christians anymore, (laughs) Jesus loves him. Now, Jesus' love doesn't feel so good all the time. Maybe you've had that kind of love of Jesus where the beginning of his love means you getting knocked off your horse. Anybody know what Jesus' love feels like in their life? Sometimes that has to happen, right? And so Saul's on his way to, to Damascus, and Luke says that uh, as, he was, well, as he neared Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul says something that a righteous, well-educated Pharisee, whole life in scriptures, would never say, who are you, God? So world's upside down. He literally, this guy who was uh, at the top of his game, this guy was the top of his class. This guy was zealously persecuting Christians because they were saying that Jesus is God. And this guy, Paul, thought he knew who God was. And now here he is saying, I don't know nothing. Who are you, God? And God says, much to Paul's shock, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I love this. When something bad happens to Jesus' people, something bad happens to Jesus. When something bad happens to Jesus' people, it happens to Jesus. When you suffer, Christ suffers. doesn't mean he's being knocked out of his throne, but we are the body of Christ. When the church is being persecuted, Jesus is being, he doesn't even differentiate, right? Why are you persecuting me? Paul never did anything to Jesus. He'd been hurting all his followers. But in Christ's mind and in his bones, his risen, resurrected body, he feels the slaying of Stephen. The name calling of Peter. Why are you persecuting me? He said. But his response, Jesus' response is not to cast Paul to hell, but instead he stops him in his tracks because Paul loves Saul. uh, Jesus loves Paul. And so Paul says, I'm or Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Paul replies, or then he says, Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I'm going to do the telling now, right? And the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. And yet now he saw everything. Before he could see fine, 
that he was blinded in his own righteousness and didn't even see God as he stood before him and didn't see God as he was on the cross dying for him. But now as he's physically blind, simultaneously he is now truly full of sight. Does that make sense? And sometimes that is what has to happen too. And that's how Jesus loves. Doesn't feel good all the time. But sometimes that's what it takes to get through to you and me. And so he can't see. And so they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Three days. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. And the Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, which I love that, like just a straight, you know, like, go to uh, Armitage there on uh, 700 and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias, that's you, come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. If you think Paul had a hard time believing that the one he was persecuting was God, Ananias, I think, has the more difficult conversion. He has to love his enemy. And so Ananias says, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man. I mean, in other words, do you understand who this is? Like, God doesn't know, right? I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. That's what a Christian is. They pray to Jesus. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles, the non-Jews. He's going to leave his town. He's going to go to the, if anybody's going to go to the unclean, it's kind of hilarious actually. Because for the Jews, the Gentiles, all who are not Jews, those are unclean in Jesus' day. And Paul would be the first one to say they are, right? He's the chief of Pharisees. And yet Jesus is going to use him. To be his instrument to bring the good news of God, the God of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, to these people that Paul would say there is no way and you know what they will ever enter the kingdom of God. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul. Once enemies, now brothers. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And the rest of the story we know. If there is a broken saint, if there is a person with huge cracks in them, it's Saul. And Ananias points them out to God. <laughs> this guy's got gigantic faults, right? There's no way he is the person who's going to bring hope and peace to anybody, let alone the Gentiles. And yet Jesus chose Saul to do just that broken saints shine brighter because this Saul and Paul every time Paul writes a letter he remembers this experience you know what Paul remembers is etched in him he remembers those cracks every letter he writes he reminds himself and the people he's talking to of his cracks 
he's, he's the perfect person to do this job because he knows what it's like to be a sinner. He knows what it's like to be an enemy of God. He's no, he knows what it's like to be someone who in no way deserves God's grace because he persecuted the church. He was probably somewhere involved when Jesus died, was killed. So if anybody knows the ridiculous grace and hope and forgiveness of God, it's this guy who's got huge cracks. You see how they shine? What was once a terrible fault and a terrible past, God somehow miraculously takes his errors, his wounds, his failures and discrepancies and makes them something that even shines all the brighter as people are amazed that this Paul would believe in Jesus. Do you understand? How broken saints cracked windows shine brighter. That's how God works. And we read later, I read about Peter. He's no better than Saul, right? He denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Right after, the same day, he said, I'm never going to deny you. I'm going to be right there with you, right? And then a servant girl says, do you know this guy? Never heard of him. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, in the same day. And yet we read how Jesus rises from the dead. Hallelujah. And he goes looking for this broken guy and loves him, forgives. And then he's going to use this fellow with big cracks in his character to bring the good news of Christ to be, as he says, right, feed my sheep. That's how God works because the ministry of the church and the ministry of God is all God's. He can do anything. He created the world out of nothing. He can probably do amazing things with our nothing lives, our empty jars that he fills with water and turns to wine, right? That's how our Lord works. So this month, as we're talking about grateful living, I want you to think about this. As Pastor Haney said last Sunday, what is God calling you to do and be involved in here at St. James? And don't tell me your cracks are too big. You're too broken. Or you don't have what it takes. Because if he can take Paul and make him a chief instrument of bringing good news to his enemies, and Peter, who denied Christ three times, and make him into a saint, Peter died for Jesus upside down on a cross. If he can do that, if he can grow the church as he did, as Acts talks about, with broken people, broken saints, then he can do the same in your life. God is. He's called you to St. James. He's called you to his son Jesus. He's given you peace and hope. But he's also called you to participate in the life here at St. James. I don't know what that means. Just coming to other Bible studies, it could mean, you know what, I'll help out with this, or I would like to work on the board that uh, uh, fixes our cracked windows, <laughs> you know. We do actually need that, you know. You all have, that's the most amazing thing about St. James is the talent that I have seen, the people I have talked to, that God has assembled here. 
And he has and he will. And in the past speaks for itself too. He's been doing this for a long time at St. James, by the way. Almost 150 years of taking cracked saints, broken saints, and shining bright through them. You are those people. And you know what? As a church, you know what it's like to be a broken church, don't you? And to have some wounds. And to have some big cracks. In the last couple of years. How dare you say we're too broken? How dare you say we got too many cracks? That's God's specialty. And quite frankly, I've seen him, and I think you have too, that have been through the long haul in the last couple of years, seen amazing things done and healing and progress and God's ministry continue despite it all. In fact, I would say because of it all. He can actually take awful things that happen to us and awful things that we do even in sins, and he can actually take it and make it the brightest thing that ever happened. He can take the darkest lives and make it into the brightest sun. He does it all the time. That's what the church is. It's broken saints that by the blood of Christ and the grace of Jesus pours through us, and people see Christ through our brokenness and through our sins. Just like Paul and Peter, we too can say, I don't deserve to be here. <laughs> I don't deserve to be in church at all or in part of God's kingdom or working here. No. I'm a sinner. But my God, I heard about Jesus died for me, forgives my sins, and rose again, and has given me forgiveness and hope. That's a testimony that I think everyone can relate to, right? And the very center of our faith is the most broken of all. God in the flesh spear in his side, wounds in his hands, and yet in those cracked hands and through those wounds, light shines through the light of God's love for you that he would lay down his life for Paul, for Peter, for you and for me and bring us here and bring us back to him and give us hope and peace. May our Lord shine brightly through our cracks, through our brokenness, through St. James throughout the year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us rise and sing, create in me a clean heart.
Please be seated. Let us praise our Lord. Worship him with our offering.